Welcome to the OC Bitches. Welcome to the OC Bitches. Hi, everyone. Hello. Rachel, it's just you and me today. I know. I like it when it's you and me. I do too. We have a lot to say. Yeah. (laughs) No interruptions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but today we're doing season two, episode nine, The X Factor. I just automatically think of Lauren Hill because uh, that's her song. Uh, Not sure if they took that from her or not. But um, anyway, it's a good song. First up, we have an interview with the creators of a play that incorporates this episode into it. So we have some very special guests today, Rachel. Mm -hmm. And I've been looking forward to this. Um, I, it was brought to my attention that there was a musical that was done at a club in Brooklyn in New York a few years ago called Oscar at the Crown. And a couple people brought it to my attention. Now, first, I would like to introduce, we have Shira Milikowski, and she's the director of the musical. Hi. And uh, director Mark, how do you say your last name? Mariello? Mark Mariello. Mark Mariello. (laughs) And the writer, Andrew Barrett Cox. Oh, sorry. The composer. Hi. Yes, Mark Mark wrote the show. I wrote the show. Andrew wrote the music. And then I also performed in it. Okay. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. Well, first, like, it's so nice to meet you guys. And I was sent... Uh, this musical. I watched the Julie number and I was so mm-hmm. amazed by this. It was incredible. <laughs> it was very catchy, Aww. I might add. I, it was stuck in my head all day, the song. Thank um, you. Yes, thank but what you. <laughs> a crazy fun concept. Can you tell us what exactly Oscar at the Crown is and how Julie is involved? <laughs> or, the, or the OC. The OC, spe- right. More specifically. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yes. There's nothing we love talking about more, actually. <laughs> True. So thank you for having us. Yeah. Um, so Oscar at the Crown is, as you said, it was performed in a nightclub in Brooklyn. It's an immersive nightlife musical about Oscar Wilde and reality television, and specifically <laughs> about The Real Housewives. And then buried inside of it, as the characters are talking about their obsession with reality television, they start to reveal that the person who predicted all of reality television and in the world of the play, therefore, the downfall of civilization, was in fact the character of Julie Cooper. (laughs) As she launched Newport Living Magazine, of course, (laughs) predicting that, of course, the whole world would be fascinated with the glamorous lives of rich people in California, which the world is. We are. So yeah, inside the show, there's this conspiracy theory that essentially says that we had Julie Cooper. She was this proto-housewife, incredible character. And then we had the Real Housewives of the OC, <laughs> the Real Housewives of Orange County, which was the first one. And so when culturally we went from this like fictional television character, Julie Cooper, to these fictionalized, but real people, but still television characters, the Real Housewives of OC. That's like, that was the ball that started rolling that led to Twitter and social media and the metaverse and totally losing our our like handle on reality and fantasy and who we are and who we're trying to pretend ourselves that we are. It all goes back to Julie. (laughs) <laughs> well, and, and I I couldn't help but well, first of all, if it's actually Julie, let's actually call Julie is really Josh Schwartz because he's sure. the, <laughs> right? because he, he would real, like to real. take um he would like to take uh 
uh, responsibility for the housewives. He believes he should be owed a little bit of um, compensation for that <laughs> for that series. Sure, I don't disagree. I mean, it's there. <laughs> yes, and and so it 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 goes on from there. That like that was the first switch that happened. That then catapulted the whole world into kind of a cataclysm. And and it, our show takes place years in the future after society has begun to crumble. Anyone who is in any way an other or different or queer is exiled from society. And mm. our show takes place in a hidden bunker outside underground where all <laughs> these like castoffs from society have survived their exile and are just living life, dancing, singing, and, and watching the OC. And every time the name Julie is said, every, it's she's the prophet, so everybody does <laughs> drops on one knee. Is that it? <laughs> yes. Well, you couldn't see in the video is there is a big poster of Julie on the side of the stage. It's oh. this. And it looks like I was going to say, Mark, Mark has a t-shirt out of yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> a shirt with Julie Cooper's face on it. This I is my that. opening night gift to the whole company. Everyone got <laughs> No way. And also, when you say re- and sh- that she predicts reality television, but ultimately, is it not what is real? Social media really isn't technically real. It's almost like we're in this matrix world. And and I guess what, what you're suggesting is that because of Twitter, because of Instagram, that everyone can be a celebrity or have their 15 minutes or this extended, you know, everyone ha- is someone. And and I think we've actually kind of explored that a little bit. We were talking about that with McGee about how, you know, when we were doing the OC, it was still kind of a, you know, you're on a television show. Maybe you get into, you get to do some interviews, you're in some magazines or something, but now anybody can be anything on social media. Yes. And, right. yeah. and that you, that used to be reserved for like, the Oscar Wildes or the celebrities ah. of the world. But because of social media and because of cell phones, that kind of access to that ability to like create a second persona or avatar version of yourself became democratized. Right. right? And so that therein is the connection between Oscar Wilde and Julie Cooper and the Real Housewives on Twitter. <laughs> it's all part of the same. If that wasn't obvious. All no, right. part of the same thing. Yeah. Then you just go to the show and you also can just dance and drink and be in a nightclub and have a good time. Because Andrew's music is incredible. Yes. <laughs> it really was. I mean, I wanted to be there. I wanted to be having a good time with you guys. It's really so fun. And how long did it run? So it ran in Brooklyn. We did a production in like January of that year. And then it was running really through September. Uh-huh. Um, this was 2019. So we were slated to go. The big plan was, um, we were headed to the Edinburgh theater festival in August, 2020. Oh, yep. Yep. Um, and we're still kind of, we're in like waiting mode where we think a UK production will come soon. So my plan is like travel the country. I think we could come to a nightclub, travel the world, but certainly like come to a nightclub anywhere in the United States. We could plop down and do this show. And the point is that like, if you love musical theater, you come and you see a play. If you love nightlife, you come and you dance all night. Mm-hmm. And what was amazing in Brooklyn was that the people who were like nightlife people, they left and they were like, I saw a play tonight. And then the people <laughs> who were theater goers were like, I went to a club. <laughs> so every, everybody got a different experience right. than they were expecting. It does. It is so reminiscent of, of, I'm not the first person to say this, of Rocky Horror. And the oh, the life that they took on, right? <laughs> and how you go to a theater at midnight, and and I kind of imagine that you guys have taken it an, an even 
even higher different step and it's that much more immersive. And I would, I can't wait to see it one day. I hope to see it and in, in real life. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you are both on the list any night. Any you, get, you get champagne. You'll get champagne. I want that it's shirt. Of honor. I'll send, I think got some. I'll send you some. Oh my gosh, we should wear it. I want, I want a summer shirt. You want a shirt? I'll find you one. Um, yeah, I just think it's, it's just really cool that, that you guys, you know, I'm sure you spent a lot of time putting this together and just the craft and creativity that goes into something like this. I just really commend you on that because I'm a huge musical theater nerd. I'm obsessed with musical theater. Oh, really? So I'd be okay. more that person than the nightclub person because like I like to be at home. <laughs> but yeah. Same. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just sing. Of course. I'm just home singing. <laughs> um, everyone go check out. Well, can they watch the whole thing? I know we. I watched the nine minute um, Julie number on YouTube. <laughs> can you watch the whole thing on YouTube now? Not, not yet. I mean, it's really okay. difficult to, ca- I mean, you know, typically when you're able to pro shoot a Broadway show mm-hmm. that's in a proscenium, you can kind of get a similar experience as if you were sitting in a theater, but to film an immersive club show is, <laughs> it's very difficult to be like, all right, this is kind of the experience. So over the pandemic, we actually put together Julie just sort of as a, you know, remember this, you know, <laughs> when we used to be able to be with people in nightclubs. Right. Um, so we were able to put that together. But I think in order for us to get a well-filmed full experience would, yeah. would take a little bit more. So we're waiting for it to be a real thing again. Because <laughs> I think that's the best way to experience it. So. Absolutely. If people go to our YouTube, which is at the Neon Coven, there, there's a sample of videos. They can see the Julie video. Yeah, yeah. They can see a couple numbers. And then we're always posting stuff on Instagram too. Same handle. Mm-hmm. Yes. On and TikTok. 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 <laughs> it was, it's funny. I mean, we, we started, you know, a lot of things were started during the pandemic and TikTok really got started. When we did the show, we were talking about Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And now it's like, Facebook's less. And mm-hmm. now we're like, okay, we're going to have to change the script to talk about TikTok. Right. <laughs> right. Now I'm like, Julie and Julie predicted the metaverse. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> just oh. whatever it is. Just yes, I am. It keeps yes, going. Yes, we started putting clips of the show on TikTok and it gained like a pretty fast following of, you know, Gen Zers and millennials mm-hmm. that were just like, oh my God, this musical that has like the OC and the housewives. It was, it's, so I, it it reached a lot of viewers and like new people that were probably turned onto the show. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. It's my daughter is um 22 and she's a big TikToker and people sure. constantly yeah. say something about the your mom's on the OC. What's the OC? Nobody there's a huge generation that that does not know about the huh. show. So, it's awesome. fun to see some new generations discover things. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like yes, during the pandemic, yeah, they they kind of have discovered it, you know, because people were just home watching everything available. Yeah. <laughs> So, but yeah, but it's that, it's that thing where, I don't know, the OC kind of, I mean, we're rewatching it obviously for this podcast and there definitely are cringe moments where like, oh, you could never do that. (laughs) Like (laughs) now. (laughs) Um, So there are some rewrites that could happen just like your Facebook with TikTok, but. uh, Right, right, right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You know, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Everyone needed a little. It was, but ahead of its time. I mean, it was. Rewatching this episode, we were like, okay, Olivia, you know, Olivia, I know. I was Alex like, just some bisexuality. Just let it be. That's true. Right. Yeah. Like, it's rad. It's like rad. And like, yeah. 
props. Yeah, I handle queer actually, topics in like a good way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You used a clip from episode nine, which we're talking about today in the yes. <laughs> show where Julie is mm-hmm. predicting. What's your line? Do you remember? I have it down here. Why wouldn't America be, be fascinated, fascinated with, with the lives and loves of Orange, Orange County's rich and fabulous? <laughs> we're all beautiful and we're all dysfunctional. Surf, <laughs> sex, and scandal. It's, it's a, a recipe, recipe for a cultural phenomenon, phenomenon don't you think? <laughs> I think if you could, if Julie could time travel to the year that the musical was done, she would literally curtsy, take a bow and say, I accept being a demigod. I accept and I approve. So yes. She would approve. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll write that sequel if you're in. If you're in, Melinda, we'll write it. I'm we'll in. It. I mean, spo- spoiler, I have, and they know, I always say, I want this, like you were saying, Rocky Horror. I, I also see this. It really only works in two mediums in my mind, which is you want to experience this in a nightclub setting or as a film. And I, mm-hmm. we all have a very strong image for what this looks like on, on film. And I want to have like skyscraper high like relics to Julie Cooper statues. <laughs> like, oh yeah. I want all of that. So. I think that's so cool. Oh, I want that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right? right? Do you have the Newport oh, yeah. Living magazine? That I, big thing? Do you- I had one that was given to me that was probably like a 16 by 11. So I don't uh-huh. know where, where that prop ended up. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Could you Whoever has it, I want it. Yeah. Whoever has it, I want the giant one. <laughs> if you're listening. So, I know. <laughs> if, you're, yeah, if you're out there and you're listening, send it to me. Oscar <laughs> at the crown. Well, thank you, Shira, Andrew, and Mark. Yeah, uh, it was so, so lovely nice meeting to you meet you. Thank with you. you. So good thank to meet you. Thank you so, you so much. Stick around to the end of the podcast to hear the song Julie from their play Oscar at the Crown. Yay! The X Factor. The X Factor. It could be so simple, but you'd rather make it hard. Okay, sorry. I can't quote Lauren Hill. I'll get in trouble. Um, (laughs) Alex's ex is in town, which sends Seth into a tizzy and even more so when Ryan reveals her ex is a girl. Lindsay, Marissa, and Summer want to break from guy drama and go for a girls' night out. Seth, Ryan, and Zach aim to have a boys' night in... And they, but they even (laughs) so, (laughs) what do they do? They end up crashing girls night at the bait shop. Julie has an unconventional idea to help the Newport group's image. Oh, go through that. Okay. It's early. Is it? No. (laughs) (laughs) Just giving you an out. (laughs) This one was directed by Michael Fresco. I'd love to talk to Michael. Yeah. He he did so many wonderful episodes. Written by the lovely JJ Philbin. And the original air date, January 20th, 2005. Um, hello. It's January 20th. This keeps happening. Is this going to (laughs) continue to happen? So, okay, guys, let's get into the episode. Let's do it. Let's get into the episode. I really like this one. And um, this is a particularly good opening. I don't know about you, but I was salivating. I literally (laughs) have Thai food on the calendar for date night. Because Kirsten orders like for enough for an army, and every single one of those sounded so good. I'd have to agree. What's your go-to order with Thai food? I found a place up in Ventura that does a <clears throat> tom yum rice, Ooh. and it's almost like a um, a Thai risotto, like creamy rice Yum. with all kinds of flavors. 
Yeah. And, that sounds and I, really good. Yeah. And I also love like spring. I love like Vietnamese spring rolls too. That kind of. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She does a very hefty order, uh, Kirsten, for everyone. Everyone interjects and they put their order in yeah. for what they want as it goes. Um, but with three men in the house, they can usually, I'm sure it always gets eaten, those leftovers. Well, they're good leftovers. Yeah. But Sandy suggests because they have so much food. Oh, right. That's it, why. Yeah. Yes. Inviting that, the girls over. Yeah. That Ryan and Seth should invite their significant others. Right. And so I guess Sandy has, I guess after the um, anniversary song, he he has, he's team Alex now, obviously. Yeah. Because he says, go ahead. Yeah. And Lindsay's um, busy with uh, therapy with mom. <laughs> I, little. <laughs> Lindsay, who's also part of their family. It's yeah. very, very, you know, complex. So Seth goes to invite Alex to dinner. And what does Seth learn? Well, she's very nervous. We haven't seen Alex nervous at this point. Yeah. She's like, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, she's kind of like violently hammering <laughs> the staple gun and putting posters up on the wall. And Seth is there to invite her to dinner. So she learns that her ex is in town. That and he also learns that maybe it's not really her ex because they never really broke up. Now that is an interesting thing. So he goes down to invite her finally to meet the family because literally his his dad and his it was flat out said, "Can you leave my son alone? It's mm-hmm. ruining my relationship." Mm-hmm. And now he's got the 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 yes, the the green light to bring her over for family dinner. Right. And I'd love to do this, but guess what? My ex, who might not be an ex, so poor Seth, the worst person on the planet to be given this news, is instantly like, "What?" <laughs> and but would I mean, if you were dating someone and and all of a sudden they have an ex that might that they haven't officially broken up, I'd be upset. Yeah. Would you? Yeah. Yeah. No, he's entitled to be like, what the F? I think. You know, it was funny in this scene I noticed uh, when Seth is leaving, above him is the exit sign lit up, but all you see is X, E-X. Wonder if and I wonder if Fred, like I wonder if he did that if the director did that on purpose or if it was coincidental. I but the a, whole time when it's on Seth, all you see is X above him. That, I, I have a feeling that was on purpose. But then of course, as he leaves, I thought Seth, he took it okay. Now, inside of his mind, he's screaming. We know he's instantly spiraling, probably. Yep, instantly spiraling. I think Seth invited, invited, invented the spiral. Yeah. He is one big spiral, one big hamster on a wheel, like right. constant, constantly. But at the end of that scene, the ex comes out and it's revealed um, to be of the female persuasion. Yes. And yes. With the, the lovely actress, Emmanuel Shriki. Yes. So, uh, yeah, she was my stepdaughter on um, Entourage. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> a little side note. I love her. So, uh, but you know, and it's interesting. Of course, they always, we've, they've done some same sex things, but I remember on, on television up, up at that point, but Fox, Josh has indicated that Fox was always a little, they're, they're always a little, you know, cautious about these storylines. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I'm very, it's very good that they're doing this. The day diversity that we lack on the show, <laughs> at least we're trying to do yeah. something at this point. Yeah, I think, yes, it was good that they went this route. So speaking of spiraling. Yes. <laughs> they're when at school When now. they're at school, <laughs> Seth is completely spiraling. But you know what? Just to live in his brain, the way he's literally... Now, we all know that there are moments in our lives where something happens and, and we can make up stories, but most of us can say... You're being silly. Move mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. But he verbalizes what's going on in his brain. To live in his brain for even a day would be so stressful. I feel like that's me in real life. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fun or easy. <laughs> well, and our brains sync up realities and then you think it's real. Right. And it's just not. It's not. 
No, yeah. it's Seth. Basically, Seth is my brain. <laughs> really? So then we have Ryan and Lin- Marissa runs into Ryan and Lindsay. <laughs> Here it's comes so, the awkwardness. It's so awkward. I mean, you know, Lindsay's trying to like compliment Marissa's style. And that's an amazing skirt. And like her shoes. And, and her Marissa's shoes. like your backpack. It's like LLB. Where's it? And she says, where's it from? Yeah. And it, you know, and it's interesting that most people wouldn't, you say, I like your backpack. And she takes a step further. Where's it from? Because I think, and, and there's no judgment. It's just, you know, if Marissa has grown up with a mom like Julie Cooper and they live in Newport and she has Chanel and mm-hmm. I mean, Julie's always saying Chanel and, and you know, Valentino and Manolo and she's she's pushed all those brands on her. So it seemed normal to ask her where it's from. Right. And, you know, we're setting up this awkwardness. There's a blooper in of the season two bloopers, the little shot of Misha's feet. Yeah. Of the shoes. They recreated it with some man's hairy legs. <laughs> so that's awesome it's on YouTube I actually did a funnier die uh, video or whatever you want to call it um, which reminds me of that it's a body double one. I did it with Adam Scott and it was so much fun Mick G actually is in it as well yeah. maybe we talked about it when yeah. Mick G was on but um, it's, it's very reminiscent of that <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway so I was thinking about this and I put myself in Lindsay's shoes and I was just thinking, could you imagine if Marissa was like your boyfriend's ex? Mm-hmm. That would not be easy. No, it's not. No. It's not easy. I try to get on board with the outfits, but this one wasn't a particular favorite of mine. Of, of, of Marissa's. Marissa. Yeah. It wasn't, I wouldn't say it was anything of note. Yeah. You know it wasn't, what I mean? It's, I mean, it wasn't. Uh, no, no, it was cute, but it, it was wasn't cute. like. It one, wasn't like, yeah. yeah. But there's the opposites of the two of them. Yeah. So Kirsten's massaging Sandy and asking for help to to really to improve the image of the Newport group because right. of the Caleb debacle. Mm-hmm. And he has an idea. The Newport Housing Initiative wants um, to put up some low income housing, and he thinks that's a great idea. She thinks it's a great idea, and it is a great idea. But this was something that I had to look up because I don't know much about the low income housing. So. I looked it up. Newport Beach doesn't have that much. Really? No. They have, um, I guess you're allocated a certain, the state allocates a certain number every year or whatever, every time period. And then the city can appeal back. And it's there's some disparity that goes on. But right now, Newport Beach, from what I could gather, only has about 350 units. Whoa. And some other similar cities have have, uh, you know, like Beverly Hills is similar to that. But sometimes it doesn't make sense to do, you know, I know. I, I don't, we don't have to get all into that. But yeah, New, Newport Beach doesn't have a lot. Okay, so that's his idea. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, let's go back to school. In the lounge. Zach brings Summer a cupcake for their six-month anniversary. It's so cute, though. Am I about to get whacked? I, I know. <laughs> Summer, he has, he's holding his hands over my eyes. And uh, she's like, am I about to get whacked? <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, and you're, and even just like the, it's not, you know, cupcake. Like, yeah. you instantly are uncomfortable. Summer's instantly uncomfortable. Yeah, he's celebrating six months. Do you think six months is worthy of celebrating? Well, I... There's a part of me that thinks like, why is she being this way? But then I actually went back and I looked at it. And I'm like, I think that's kind of the way I would be. First of all, 
he's he's asking you out to the arches, which is a very adult, mature thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, we see Kirsten and Sandy, that's where they go for right. their special nights. And he wants to celebrate this thing. And I, for some reason, if you're not excited to go do something with your boyfriend who's asking you to do something like that, eh, that's kind of a telltale sign. And and I remember maybe being involved or asked, being asked out on, out on a date or people trying to do nice things for me at that age. And I was kind of a, I was like summer. I'd be like, eh, no. I think that's kind of normal for a teenager. You don't really want that attention at that age. It's so fucked up. It's, it's, it's kind of awkward and weird. Yeah, it's awkward and weird. But clearly this is showing summer is very uncomfortable. But then it cuts to, and what did you say? She <laughs> says, I'm fasting for, for a, a colon- colonoscopy. Do you think she really said that? Yeah. Absolutely. Why do you need a colonoscopy when you're a teenager? I don't think that's the question. It was the only <laughs> thing she could think of to get out of dinner. <laughs> she said it in all seriousness. Oh, yeah, for sure she said it. That's what I love about summer. Um, but then they decide to have a girls' night. After you know, reminiscing. After reminiscing and, and about being younger and not having to deal with boys. And then they talk about what they're going to watch, which they mentioned full house and mm-hmm. step by step. Now, growing up, those were big shows for me. There was a thing on Friday nights called TGIF mm-hmm. and all these shows would air on Friday. Full House, Step by Step, Family Matters, like that whole grouping of shows. And I would stay home on Friday night and be so excited for TGIF. At what age? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 25. <laughs> no. Uh, it was, you know, maybe sixth grade, maybe young, fourth grade. I don't know. Something like that. So... We are in the Newport group, and I remember there are certain times, I remember reading this script, and I get giddy because I get so excited about doing certain scenes, and Kelly and I were starting to have so much fun during during our scenes, and this was one of them, and, and the dialogue is just classic, Julie. So Kirsten shares, she says, Sandy has an idea to bring to the board. Uh And Julie instantly says, she says, good news, Sandy has an idea. And Julie says, well, I have better news. I have a better idea than him. I mean, before even hearing it. (laughs) She's like, you haven't even heard it yet. (laughs) I have a better idea than him. That's pretty Julie. Newport Living. And and according to this musical, it's kind of the beginning. Well, I'm thinking, it's kind of the beginning of the end of the world right now. (laughs) (laughs) I think they were right. (laughs) Now, this brings up a good point. So, in 2005, I think magazines were starting to go into somewhat of a decline. Do you remember how many magazines we read on set? Yeah. Like you and and Nicole, I mean, you guys had like stacks of magazines. Yes. And, and we would share we them. We would t- tear outs. And we te- oh, did Nicole you? Chavez, who was, you know, our costumer uh, that we've spoken with, we would do tear outs of like fashion inspiration. Obviously, she went on to be a stylist. Uh-huh. Um yeah, all we would do is go through magazines. And we'd have them in the trailer. And we would be and on the cover share. of them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was a big, we had, we would have a lot of downtime, but but think about that. I mean, do you have, do you regularly get Vogue and Not at Cos- all. Anymore? It's very rare yeah. I even get a magazine when I'm at the airport. Sometimes I will, like yeah. a cooking one or something. Yeah. But it's not, it's kind of a lost art. So, and, and at the time, even it's really, really hard to be successful in a magazine. Yeah. So this, so I understand, I understand the cautiousness about going into this, but there are a lot of magazines that are, you know, um, the Newport uh, magazine is Riviera. Right. And, you know, we have LA Confidential. You have, you have local magazines mm-hmm. still to this day. So it is a good, I think it is a good idea. And, I and she's so do. right. 
She yeah, is Julie's right. actually right. She's like, um, <laughs> low-income housing, we're trying to appeal to people like me, and I don't care about low-income housing. <laughs> yes, very truly. <laughs> um, okay, then we're back at school, and Ryan is encouraging Lindsay to have lunch with Marissa in summer. He's really trying to force this friendship. And yeah. uh, this was really interesting to me because the girls of Summer and Marissa sit down and they have In-N-Out. They drove through In-N-Out and they're about to eat their burgers. And Lindsay sits down and pulls out her meal and she's like, you guys just eat burgers? Do you have to like exercise after that? She implies mm-hmm. something like that. And they were like, huh? What? Yeah. And the fact that she's like, oh, this is a zone meal. <laughs> now, I know you said you did zone meals back then. I did it in... Actually, I read the book in 1998. Whoa. But yeah, I thought that was... I mean, as he's pulling her over, she he says, oh, you can eat with them. But first she says, I'm, I'm okay eating by myself. And he says, well, why don't you eat with them? And she goes, no, 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 they probably don't even eat. Now, here's a character defect in this girl saying that she's she's judgy of them and so yeah. insecure of them and somehow got into her brain that she has to eat a zone meal or anyway. But I thought what I thought was weird because I, I, I in this circumstance with these characters, I would think that Lindsay would be the one like, no, I eat burger, I eat whatever I want. Like, I don't think about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And Marissa and Summer would be the one eating zone meals. You're right. You know? That's what I thought. There was a funny moment in here, and it's just because my eye catches this. As as Misha takes a bite of the burger, there's a shot of the extras behind her mm-hmm. staring like almost down the lens. <laughs> and you can tell that somebody says, and action, and they go, oh, and they go to... Uh, they, 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 really? yeah. <laughs> I have to go back and look at that. I didn't notice that. It's a split that. second, but you can see that they're staring right at the um, shot and then, ah, and then, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. And meanwhile, the reason Lindsay's eating with them is because Ryan is called to an emergency comic book meeting <laughs> so funny. of Seth, who, of course, Seth is going to be very self-involved and voice all of his troubles and woes. But I think it's... So now we have three nerds that have been like the classic looking nerds. Yeah. <laughs> it's very stereotypical. Like what, that one kid with the glasses, I've seen him in so many things. Right. Like in Super Bad, those kinds of... Maybe. Like, no, there's something specific I'm remembering him from. Maybe we could find out. Maybe we could find out. But yeah. anyway, you know, it's a very... I really enjoy scenes with the comic book club fellas. And also the fact that they're in um, middle school. They're junior high, he says. I don't care if you're in middle school. They're not actually high oh, schoolers. Right. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then Sandy comes into the kitchen and learns of Julie's idea with the cover of her magazine. There's a six-foot Julie on my table. <laughs> Ew, it gives me the willies. <laughs> I just love all this Julie stuff. <laughs> so, well, Seth is... Sorry, we didn't say that Seth was like, I'm going to go to the bait shop because I have to get paid. Like, I can go get my paycheck. So he has an excuse to go see Alex. That oh, yeah, was happening no, that, at the that, end of that scene. Oh, yeah. No, that's really important because he's he's like, I need to go tell her this after the advice from the middle schooler. And Ryan and Zach are like, don't do... It's like, yeah. they're like slow motion, don't do it. Because Seth, is, he's calling her and they're just like, no, 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 no. Like, they just know. I'm, yeah. I really like the fact that, you, that Seth has Zach and Ryan. Yeah, and, it's sweet. Yeah. The relationship. Yeah. So then Ryan's like, how about I go for you? I scope out the X in this whole situation and I'll get whatever. So that's why after that scene with Sandy looking at your magazine cover, Ryan goes to the bait shop. And who does he meet? Alex's ex. And who is Alex's ex? Jody, a female. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Cut to. Yeah. 
And of course, Seth badgering Ryan about what happened at the bait shop, like just verbatim, yep. moment by moment, explain it to me. Oh, wait, this is funny. So <laughs> one of the, you know, what we were talking about, one of the middle schooler comic book club guys, Todd Bosley. Now, I knew I recognized him. He was in a movie, which I loved as a kid called Little Giants. Not uh. only did I love this movie, one of my oldest friends I met when I was 11 years old, Joey Simran, is also in that movie. And he well, was like the first kid actor I ever knew. <laughs> He's in that movie too. There you go. With good old Todd, who I knew. I feel like he has snot bubbles maybe in that movie. <laughs> All right, Todd, hope you're doing well. All right, Pool House, he's badgering Ryan. Ryan av- keeps avoiding the question. Right, right. Ryan's I mean, a terrible I- liar, so avoidance is his best bet. Right, right. I wrote, reenact it. Seth is insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah. it's just, and, and, and to the point where Ryan... Yeah, he can't keep a secret. It's really painful for him. And as Zach comes in, he's like, hey, Matt, how are you? <laughs> and, and of course, Zach's always cool. He's like, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Right. But then they get into this whole discussion about, you know, so they could crash the girls at the bait shop. But Ryan convinces them that to do, um, you know, a guy's night. Right. The same thing as the girls are yeah, trying to. Yeah, they're like, to, well, yeah. let's have a guy's night. Let's go out. Okay. So there that's set. That's set in place. Caleb is, so Caleb shows up to talk to Sandy. And he's in, in some ways he's like, why is everyone so scared of Julie? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. The woman is a warrior, Sanford. <laughs> the woman is a warrior. I'm not, I'm not facing, facing her, her alone. <laughs> and you know he says she's going to embarrass herself. The family, Newport Group, everyone. So, um, but then then I thought about it. I was like, what does Cal see in her? I mean, definitely not business side of her. Well, he sees another side of her. Uh, well, in she, the bedroom. But, she, but we've just found out she's like, oh yeah, that's romantic. Like they're like yeah. it's, she's been saying, telling, she keeps telling Jimmy that it's not happening. Maybe it's just not happening that way, or just the way. Well, they, maybe it Jimmy. wasn't happening while Jimmy was around, but now Jimmy's in Maui, so yeah, things have changed. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this this scene where Ryan is in the car with Lindsay, he's taking mm-hmm. Lindsay to Marissa's. This really got me. This mm-hmm. scene. So, you know, she brings up this dreaded conversation that I feel like every new girlfriend wants to approach, whether they do or not. She's like, been thinking about it a long time. A long time, wanting to know about the ex. Yeah. You know, I know I'm always asking questions. Like, I am, I, I definitely am the one that wants to know everything to a fault. Um, but it's like, be careful what you ask for. Yeah, no, it's not good because so he talks, he tells the story how Ryan and Marissa met. And like my heart, man. I'm like, it did put it this way. The, it that scene did what it was supposed to. One thousand percent. You're instantly and plus going the, missing the score, them. The music in the background. I mm-hmm. guess it's it's the Marissa, Marissa and Ryan score. Probably. I yeah. didn't notice that at the time, but now I'm gonna notice it. But you know, that also like makes you want to feel a certain way. Well, and and he does such a lovely job here. And he says, you know, just the first night, didn't know if Kirsten was going to accept me. And I walked down to the driveway and there she was. And just that image of her in the pilot just pops in your head and you're uh like... She wasn't... And she she was like no one I'd ever known before. And then he... And he's reliving. Right. And looks over, told you. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like... It was... Very obvious that like you're like no 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 Ryan and Marissa need to be together right no it it, it, it was it was supposed to get the reaction of the audience saying exactly what we yeah it, like Lindsay's never gonna yeah. win this thing in the audience's eyes I think right you know what I mean that's kind of how it is though on shows I feel like so he drops her off at Marissa's 
I remember this outfit vividly of Marissa's, that green, like... that. Oh, it was a top. It was, it was like, like a, a tunic top, top over dress jeans. over jeans. Yeah, it was really pretty. Yeah, I love um, that color. And it's awkward, and Ryan's like, you know, basically telling her to look after Lindsay. And what does Marissa do, like, instantly when it's awkward in, their, in her bedroom? <laughs> Breaks out the flask. Breaks out the flask. I, yeah, so it's an interesting thing. Like, there are times when... I guess they've never been really alone. So at first right. I was like, why is Mar Marissa actually can be very, you know, she's chair at school of social chair. She can be very, very social. She doesn't seem to be an awkward person, but all of a sudden they're awkward together. And it's, have you ever had that experience where it's just plain awkward? Absolutely. <laughs> but I didn't, it didn't seem, it didn't, I wasn't, I didn't know if I was buying it, but you know, yeah, Lindsay's saying, oh, so this is where you live. Well, obviously, yeah. this is where, where, and then she brings out the, breaks out the flask and. And so it's super awkward. Yeah. They're just, you just, you can feel the tension. You're like, please, Summer, just show up already. Right. And, uh, and, and Lindsay looks so, I mean, she curled her hair. She looks really pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with that. But. And so the doorbell rings and Marissa goes to get Summer. And what does Lindsay notice? The only pictures in Marissa's room are of her and Ryan. Do you think Marissa did that on purpose? Well, so I'm thinking like there's no way that she wouldn't be aware of that. Or if she wasn't, the instant Lindsay walks in that room, that's the first thing like I would think of. Like, oh shit, I forgot to so put those it's, down. Or... It's like, okay, so do you think, oh, I'm going to put this down because, I, because she's coming over mm -hmm. or I'm leaving it up because that's important right. to me. They're both a message. Yeah. Ballsy. And so Lindsay very smartly says, what am I doing here? So Seth is rallying the boys for a night out. Ryan suggests, where does he suggest? He, why is he so, he's so... He's being funny, right? He, he's he's so gung-ho to go out, but, and and he says, you know, we can go to LA. He names every place that Vegas, they've been. Vegas, Tijuana, and LA. Which have not, <laughs> never turned out No, we all know what well. happens in all of those. But he's so gung-ho. I know. When he says, you really want to stay in. Oh, you know what? Maybe it's because... He wants the distraction of something to do because he says he wants Seth to play. Is obsessing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and he says you want to you want to do video games. I so want to do video yeah, games. Yeah, they want yeah. to stay in and do video games. It's so cute. Okay, now we have the girls <laughs> at the bait shop. Um, <laughs> this is cute. This scene, and then Lindsay finally like wants to drink. Yeah, you. I didn't know there was a private area. We didn't. I didn't ever shoot it. In I the, knew there in the was because I feel like we had shot shot pictures or something there with yeah. the new cast of season you get, two. You get the special little VIP area. Yeah, we get the, the VIP shop. lounge at the yeah. drop, you know. But but you guys, so you guys really aren't, I mean, vibing with Lindsay. No. So Because something... like if you just met on the street, like you wouldn't automatically be friends. You know, there's people like that where mm -hmm. like friend, like parents of kids that like your kid plays with. Yeah. And some you're like, okay, we can be friendly, but you wouldn't actually be friends if it wasn't for the kids. Right. That's and you have nothing to talk about. Yeah. It's like, it's awkward. It's awkward. Except for the boys. Let's talk about boys. Yeah, but then it was like, like let's oh, talk about boys. Oh, no, oh, bad subject. Nope. <laughs> backpedal, backpedal. <laughs> so let's drink. Yep. Straight so they vodka. Drink. That's gnarly. Oh. <laughs> uh, but she takes it like a champ. A yeah. too hard. Alex and Jody are arguing because Marissa leaves the lounge yeah. and goes to get ice and seltzer to mix for Lindsay. Right. So, and Marissa and Alex don't 
I mean, except for introducing each yeah. other at the bait shop that one time, they really don't, they know of each other. They don't other. have a relationship. No, they don't, sort. but they're arguing. And, and for some reason, Jody's working at the bait shop, which yeah, is, whatever. I don't know. So her and her ex are arguing and Marissa overhears and she gets Alex out of it. She yeah. does her a solid. So the boys' night in is exactly what Ryan was trying to avoid. They are obsessing about the girls yep. and they decide they're going to go to the bait shop after all. Yep. And he tries to stop them. Yep. And and then and finally Seth is like, "You know something. You know something. I'm a man in a desert and you have <laughs> Kool-Aid and you're not willing to share." Yeah. What is it? And he tells her, "Have you seen the ex? I've seen the ex. What's he like? Who is he? He's a she." Right. <laughs> End of scene. scene. And then, <laughs> yep, and that's what happens. And Seth cannot believe it. Okay, so we're back at the bait shop. The thrills are in this episode. I know. I love... I, I remember I at this point, because now I was like, ooh, I've got to catch up mm-hmm. because I didn't know a lot of the bands. At this right. point, I was like ex- paying attention to music and <laughs> <laughs> I'd yeah. be excited to hear the, the bands thrills, coming in. Yeah. Saturday night is playing. Yeah. Lindsay's chugging. She's drunk. She's really drunk. She does a good one. Shannon did, um, yeah, she did. did a great job. She did a great job. And she's telling Marissa that Marissa... You know what? You're not scary. <laughs> she's like, thanks, I think. I know. But Marissa obviously is not. She's got a high tolerance, clearly. Yeah. And Summer's not drinking because she's driving. So she goes to grab a coffee and she runs into creepy Matt Miller. So funny little story is Matt Miller, the actual Matt Miller, is one of Josh Schwartz's best friends. Uh-huh. Matt Miller has a sandwich named after him at Canner's Deli. So Canner's Deli is a famous deli on, on Fairfax. Fairfax in Los Angeles. Been there forever. We would all go to Canners all the time while we were shooting the show. Josh, Adam, uh, all of us, we would go. Not me. Not Mindy. <laughs> well, you had a little kid in the family. But we were out and we were at Canners and we would always order the Matt Miller. Egg bread or holla. Munster cheese, turkey, coleslaw. You you grill it. You I can't. Josh, the way Josh describes this is amazing. But anyway, it made it on the menu. It's like the biggest thing that's ever happened to Matt Miller, even though he's a very successful writer, showrunner. Is he? <laughs> It's his sandwich I mean, he on the was deli. Met, yeah, yeah, for sure. Met Mal, right. Matt Miller. So what does it take to get a sandwich named after you on the menu I think menu you, he had Canters? to pitch it to Canner. Or he'd, or, <laughs> well, he'd order it enough times. Yes, he ordered it. Now, but it's not called the Matt Miller. It's called the Matt Special. Okay. Good to know. Yep. Hey, I you learned it here. I can't wait to tell Josh that we talked about the Matt Miller <laughs> at length. The Matt Special at Canter's Deli, everyone. <laughs> it's really good. Oh, I want it right now. Okay. I might have to get it. It sounds good. Yeah, I like to put potato chips in it. Mm. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so she's talking to Matt Miller. And who's instantly like got that creepy vibe. Oh, he's so creepy. Yeah, with the puka shell necklace. And he's wearing Water corduroys. Polar player, with the, yeah. And he's talking to her like about the six-month anniversary, freaking her out more that Zach has talked about this with everyone. This is a great scene in the car. Mm-hmm. And Seth is just spiraling and he says that I should think this is really cool, mm-hmm. but it makes me think that she's even way more out of my league. Mm-hmm. And Zach's like, she's hot, right? Of course, he does the <laughs> classic boy thing. Yeah. But, but this, I couldn't help. There were moments where he was going, going, going. And Adam in the in the scenes with the nerds and when, oh, and then when he has to apologize to the nerd. Right. And in this scene, constantly talks about doing his version of Vince Vaughn. Right. I see it in, in this, this episode more than any for some reason. Yeah. I, I mean, it keeps coming up, but I right. can see that like, you know, it's like, 
explaining away being, you know, the way he apologized to the nerd or right here. It's like, come on. Yeah. I hate traffic, which sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here we are at El Forno restaurant, oh uh-huh. which is um, not a real restaurant. Did you know that we actually, it was the front of the studio that they was slapped it? the name, the outside of the restaurant yeah. is they slapped a, um, a sign on the front of the studio in Manhattan <laughs> Beach, put some flowers up and yeah. made it look like our we restaurant. We did that a few times, dressing up the stages. You're right, right. And here Julie is pitching this magazine and instantly Sandy is telling Julie, come on, it's a lousy idea. And she's like, oh, this is coming from someone who uh, works for free. Yeah. Which is like pro bono work kind of thing. Yep. And... But nobody is backing her up. Mm-mm. And then Kirsten kind of says, oh, Sandy, I did the research. It's actually a really good idea. And he's like, what? Mm-hmm. Uh. And then this is a line of dialogue that I, to this day, I've said it at least half a dozen times in this podcast, but I use it all the time. Mm-hmm. This, you know, like I refuse to be part of this game of hungry, hungry hippos. Because that's what I describe, you know, Hollywood or any kind of, like when egos get involved and people are just being, you know, not they're not acting in in love. Mm-hmm. But she says, why wouldn't America be fascinated with the lives and loves of Orange County's rich and famous? Fabulous. We're all beautiful and we're all dysfunctional. Surf, sex, and scandal. It's a recipe for a cultural phenomenon. Hmm. Which Josh basically predicted this. And this is the scene that's used in the musical. So. Right. Yeah. It's um, Julie the prophet. Julie the prophet, right? I, I, this is a little um, kind of a personal tidbit because I was thinking about this on this. When you try to re- bring up memories from this show, I remember, first of all, this outfit, this kind of purple, almost like an old, what do you call that? Is it more like a Gucci pattern type? No, Poochie. Poochie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Duh. Poochie. <laughs> but I remember that Cindy and I did a very elaborate like purple eye. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of the fact that makeup, is really designed for lights. Right. And on set because in and it and it really worked. I remember in in daylight it looked really purple uh-huh. and really bright and everything. I'd had a a, a conflict or um, a disagreement with my husband at the time, my ex. But it's whatever, I don't even remember what it was. I just know that we argued on the phone right before the scene. And I was crying and this purple makeup was like, oh, no. and Peter was like, are you okay? And I'm like, me, 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 me. whatever. <laughs> but, you know, things do go on outside of our world. And I had this makeup and Cindy was like, fuck, yeah. this purple makeup, we got to fix it. But that's the, my memory from that scene that yeah. I was like, okay, here we have to oh, go. <laughs> it's so hard whenever you're going through anything yeah, in life and then it's like, okay, action. <laughs> it's just all has to shut off. It happens. Our poor, amazing, incredibly talented hair and makeup people. Yeah, right. Are always there for us. Cindy and Joni in particular. So, the boys, boys head, head into the yes. bait shop. The Thrills again are playing Not For All The Love In The World. I love that song. Yeah. Seth confronts Alex and fails. Yeah, she's like, no, you, this has got to wait. Okay, I will wait. Like, he's coming in pretty hot yeah. and heavy and aggressive, right? Yes. Summer talks to Matt about how she gets claustrophobic in relationships and suggests she doesn't want a boyfriend. Zach shows up and is angry that she's standing with Matt. I get that. It's like girls' night and you walk in, she's standing with a dude, not the best Yeah, feeling. but she's not, she's just standing there. I know, I know. Right? But he gets over it quickly. It's not like a big thing. But yeah. I get it. And Ryan finds Lindsay, who is show-wasted. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
He shoots Marissa like a death look. Yeah, yeah. And I get it. Yeah. I mean, she's like wasted, but like annoying wasted. You know, it's funny though, <laughs> when going out in high school always meant like California coolers and beer and yeah. it always meant Boone's some Strawberry like, Hill was like, <laughs> what that? is Strawberry Hill? It was like a strawberry wine cooler. Yeah. We know. had Cal- California coolers. Fuzzy navel. Yeah. Yeah. Ben and Bartles and James. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, yeah, she is wasted, dude. Yeah. So he wants to take her outside. He for wants a to nice take her walk. outside. So he does. He takes her out to the beach. I mean, she is embarrassingly drunk. Yeah. It's not cute. It's like, but it's almost, and, and probably, I think for Ryan, he's probably like, God, really, Marissa? And, you know, of course, there's a lot of resentments there and anger about it, but. Um, right. And then he walks her out there. She's wasted. And he says, I need to get you like a burger and fries, right? Much, to help sober her up. Well, she, he, they trip and fall and it looks painful. Are you okay? And how much, right. how much did you drink? As much as Marissa? He's like, <gasps> that's a lot. That's a lot. Oh, shit. And I'm going to need to get you something greasy and some coffee. And mm-hmm. and she's been talking about going swimming. So I think everyone agrees here that why, Ryan, would you leave her next to water and, and yeah, under the pier? He just leaves pier? her on the sand to go. Obviously, this is a big, big hole in this script. Wouldn't it be interesting to see, and I doubt we could ever get this, but the different... Uh, different levels of um, versions of the scripts as they go. Mm-hmm. I I just had this theory that maybe they had a different version that maybe they she goes to get some coffee and greasy and she wanders off and he assumes she goes. They wanted to get him into the water. That's what they wanted it him to, to do. It had to be dramatic. It had to be... Yeah. yeah, no, obviously that had to happen. But let's just say we don't know that you have to do what's written and why they write it. Just looking at it as an audience member. Right. You're like, come on, dude. Yeah. You don't leave a drunk girl on the no. beach. No, no. Yeah, and then, but in the right before that scene happens is when Seth confronts Alex. And even if he has a point of, you know, you haven't treated me nicely, even if he has, and, and you lied to me, he does it absolutely rudely and mean. Mm-hmm. Calling, talking about banger sisters and... He, he's very kind of harsh. He's bitter. He's really, he doesn't do it in a in a cool way. No. No. He's very bitter. Yeah. He's like, I'm done. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I don't know. It, it, he played it for real. And you know how Seth is so manipulative. Like he's always trying to do something to get, you know, a result. But in this instant, I actually felt like he was like, I'm done. I'm so pissed off and I'm angry and I'm hurt. I'm hurt. In the back of his mind, Seth is always thinking, maybe I'll walk away and she'll come after me or I'll be more attractive to her doing this or something. Right. And But in the moment, I think he... No, I think he's really... He really is upset. Yeah. yeah. So we talked about this. Ryan goes back to the beach and Lindsay obviously isn't there anymore. <laughs> her clothing is, for whatever reason. Uh, and Which so he scary. goes into the ocean looking for her. Fucking filming this? I heard about this afterwards. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, and so, guys, whenever you see um, a night scene, mm-hmm. we shoot from, you know, we have a call time at like 5 p.m., 4 or 5, four or five yeah. and then we shoot until sunrise. So, these few seconds of Ben in the ocean uh, probably took hours and we were shooting probably, I did the math, we were probably shooting in December and he's in the ocean in Pacific December. Pacific Ocean, which is cold even in the summer. <laughs> yeah, and, there's, and I was like, okay, how many different shots did they have and the different camera setups? So it was, it was hours of him having, having to do Brutal. that. Brutal. Yeah, 
and it's long and you're working crazy hours. And I heard that it was very brutal and, and people aren't always like, they don't have smiles on their faces when they're doing that. It doesn't sound fun. This isn't... That's the thing I hate most about what we do is being cold. <laughs> yeah. Nighttime. Sh- a sh- nighttime shooting in Canada at th- three in the morning and a helicopter blowing water on your face. That happened to me. <laughs> yeah. Sounds great. No, that, so he's that, in the water. It's miserable. Yeah, in real life and on the screen, because he's looking for her. He thinks <laughs> yeah. she's out in the ocean somewhere. Right, and of course, Seth is now kind of woe is me on the on the dock, and he hears her. He hears Ryan screaming, Lindsay. Yeah, and then something that happened off screen that we didn't see is she's fine. She's, she's in, in Alex's the office. Op- yeah, yeah, Seth's like, what are you doing, Lindsay's <laughs> fine. She's in Alex's office. So then now, now think about that. She may have been dead. She may have been drowning. She's drunk. I'm pissed off. Now I'm cold. Now I feel like an idiot. I overreacted and I'm walking into this office and there's Marissa is putting a blanket on her. Yeah. So he's coming in hot. He's coming in bare. Well, he should be coming in cold because he's in water, <laughs> but he's coming in hot. Yeah. And oh, he's he's too angry to be cold. I guarantee you yeah. his blood pressure is he like. He was so pissed. Like him yelling at Marissa. I was like, Jesus. This was a powerful scene. Yeah. Very powerful. And, and you know, it's interesting when, you know, when they say the body keeps the score, the trauma that your body holds on to and the things that it triggers and instantly wanting to assign blame of something that could have been a preventable thing and throw, putting it all on Marissa and whether, you know, and, and him instantly saying, you want to ruin your life? go ahead Mm -hmm. because you tried to do this. You tried to drag me down. Now you're doing it to her. Mm -hmm. So there's some truth in that and how painful it is for Marissa to hear. I know. That's where he, what he feels. But you know what I liked is how Alex like automatically jumped in and defended her. Right. Yeah. You know. Like, yo, buddy. Yeah. I liked that. I was like, damn. Yeah. Even Seth's face was like, ooh. Yeah. This isn't you anymore. He was too angry. But you know, it brings up his own issues with alcoholism with his mother, mm-hmm. you know, and everything he went through with Marissa. So he's got mm-hmm. a lot there. Yeah. And and it was so real. There was a part of me that's like, I mean, the, the, the bait shop was on set. So it wasn't actually the same night that they were in the water. Right. But I was like, I, every once, you know, it's like, wow, that's so real. I wonder if there's some, sometimes we bring real stuff into our scenes. Uh, of course. Yeah. I was like, is there, you know, something going on between Ben and Misha in that scene? Right. Couldn't help but Every think time that, I but... hit Seth in the show, I really just wanted to hit Adam. No. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. I, I mean, there was a lot of power behind his angst. So yeah, so then he leaves He leaves her there. He keeps leaving Lindsay just in these very odd places and situations. What was so weird, though, is they're like getting her, she's sleeping it off, but then they're like, all right, let's get her out of here. Once they leave, Alex and Marissa are like, okay, let's take her. Well, it was everybody in that room said, he was so angry that they were like, we'll take care of her. Right. You don't need to. And even says, says just let's go, man. Like it yeah. didn't seem, you know, yeah. for him to acquiesce and say, he was okay. Definitely, yeah, I get it. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. But then in the, obviously in the meantime, you know, Zach has left and Summer left. And of course I'm doing this like, but they came in the same car, but no, that you were actually shooting in the real diner, which is on the pier. So it's right down the the diner. Were we shooting in the real diner? Yeah, I, I looked it up because we did have the diner at we some point. We did build it at one point. But yeah. that one had the, I could be wrong, but 
it, I think it was, I think it was the real one because the water um, was actually in the background. So you just walked over to the diner and you sat down in the tiniest little booth. Yeah, I like that booth. I, I would sit in that little booth. Which made me think it was on set. But then I went, well, maybe the diner has like a little single booth for, for a for little sure. tiny. It was summer sized. It was summer sized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To but get then, a- so she, she orders a milkshake, but who does she see? Zach already at a table with a milkshake. So they make up. It's a great scene. It's, you know, it's a, it's like, this is where Summer is so aware of herself and why she does things. And she's talking about like, my my only history in a relationship is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And she equates it, the analogy is to a pack of wolves and the wolves that piss everywhere mm-hmm. and being in a relationship with Seth. Mm-hmm. Accurate. Yeah. I like that analogy. So yeah. this whole six month thing, she needs baby steps. She like, needs baby steps. And he's like, I'll, I'll forget the one year. When she says, if, if Zach's not right for me, nobody is. Mm-hmm. And the reason ultimately it doesn't feel she's having issues because she obviously still feels for Seth. Yes. But she's doesn't, but she's fighting it. Yeah. Because it doesn't. But also what you're, it's not only just Seth because it's not only just Seth, it's what what Seth made you behave behave like, and you're kind of undoing that kind of behavior mm-hmm. and those feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she's just sticking to her guns too. Yeah. Back at the pool house, um, Seth, of course, is <laughs> obsessing once again about like I really kind of screwed that up, didn't I? And Ryan's like, Oh yeah, probably, probably. Oh, and then Ryan, no, Ryan says, you know, I probably was a little hard on Marissa. You think? Yeah. Right. And Seth tells him he like pushed Lindsay too hard to be friends with Marissa. It's time to apologize, boys. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, Ryan, sometimes it's just like you don't even know. And accepting when your friends that you trust tell you something, it's it's good to listen. Yeah. And and or at least at the very least, it's smart to say, let me take a look at that and see if your observation is real. Mm-hmm. That's a smart thing to do. Yep. Agreed. <laughs> All right. Ryan and Seth show up at Alex's. Ryan apologizes to Marissa. This is a lovely scene. It really is. They both made some really great choices. It was hard to watch, honestly, because I just want them together. Marissa admits that it's hard for her to get over their relationship. It's really sad, man. Yeah. And, and, you know, it really is true. They kind of, when he came, they kind of got back together and then he found out about DJ and broke it off with her. And so then she decided to stay with DJ and then, but mm-hmm. I don't think, but she, but I have a feeling that she, I, if she, I don't know, I think she would have stayed with him. It always has yeah. been him. It always will oh, yeah. be him. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, then, of course, Seth and Alex are outside and, right. you know, they, Seth is, Seth is now calmed down and he's, this is how you solve problems. Mm-hmm. You speak without mm-hmm. emotion, you kind of matter of fact. Yep. Communicate. Wait until you're not angry and, yes. and say, you know, so you guys getting back together? Mm-hmm. Are you not? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And then they just apologize to each other. Yeah. That's it. I forget what happens with them, but I guess I'll find out as I watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because as we're going out on this episode, Marissa is at Alex's watching a movie. Alex joins her, asks her if she's cold. They share a blanket. Not only do they share a blanket, they share a look. A look. A stare. They share a stare. <laughs> now, I mean, if anyone's watching this, you're like, okay, this is something. You're right. Right? Right. 
Have you ever been hit on by a woman, Melinda? Uh, probably. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, nothing's popped into my head, you? Not outwardly like that. I don't think. I don't remember if I had. Yeah, I probably, it's probably, I don't know. Like nothing like tension like that. Like, oh. Nothing, no, nothing like that. There's probably some like club in West Hollywood or something. Definitely. Or some shit could have gone down. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Yeah. So in the, this in is the 90s. <laughs> clearly, yeah, in the 90s. Clearly the beginning of Alex and Marissa. Not to do any spoilers, but spoiled. Well, From this episode, you'll find out that Julie is the prophet, but I think that's Josh Schwartz or J.J. Philbin. Let's not give Josh Schwartz the status of prophet. <laughs> <laughs> They'll go to his head. <laughs> All right, that is that episode is. nine, The X Factor. The X Factor. Now we have some voicemails. All right. Hi, Melinda and Rachel. Thank you so much for doing the podcast and listening to all our questions. You guys are great and doing just an amazing job. I've been a fan of The OC for so many years. It's one of my favorite shows. I just wanted to ask, was there any time where you um, had conflict, either one of you, like in your personal lives (laughs) and then had to go on screen and kind of pretend like nothing happened and continue on with the show? Um, That's my question. Okay, take care. Bye. That's so funny. Yeah. So you did, literally just told I just, story. Yeah, I told that. I mean, that was, it happened Thank you, in this episode. Thank you. So happy yeah. you're listening. Do you have a specific story like that? You know that? what? Actually, it just popped in my head. I mean, it was like a close family friend had passed away and I learned literally right before I was supposed to film this scene. It was a show I did called Take Two. We were up in Vancouver and, and it was our first day of shooting. And I found this out and immediately I had to go and it was, it had comedy to it. So it was funny as well. It wasn't a serious right. scene. And I had to snap right into it. And that's never easy because I was like crying. And then, okay, makeup like wipes up my tears. Yeah. And then you action. I remember it was the first, it was the Sunday before the end of the series. Mm-hmm. We had one week to shot, to shoot and it was a Sunday. And I had to be in Palos Verdes the next morning at 5 a.m. And my, my dad had had a stroke. Ugh. And... But because, anyway, I just, this things like this have happened. It was like, do I need to be there? And otherwise I need to be at work. Right. And some, this is an industry that we don't get to... You don't get to call in sick, so to speak. No, I mean, it's, you know... I remember one time Kelly like had thrown up that morning. And so the whole schedule had to be rearranged because she wasn't going to come in. And I'm like, I didn't know you could do that. That insurance, those, they have to take insurance Insurance days. days If if someone's actually really sick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's things, I was shooting a show in Texas and when my sister passed in 94. And and I was like, and I was 25 years old and the producers are like, we'll get you out of here as soon as you can. And I tried to work when, and I I couldn't work. And no. they were like, please, like they were asking me. You're like, I have no control. And I was over. like, eh. So I had to go back and finish. But yeah, these things happen. But, you know, you still go to, if you can, you go to work. Yeah. 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 It's hard. Yeah. And, and also being a mom, when oh, I remember God. getting the call that CG had pneumonia and I had to shoot on the OC and it was just like, it's so nerve wracking. Right. Yeah. So I guys got to get, I got to get out of here. Yeah. And there's not a lot of like, oh, you get to go see your kids games all the time. But everyone's no. Michael Lang made sure that I could leave early to go see a performance of CG's once, which Aww. I found so grateful. So. That's awesome. Yeah. 
That's a special one. There's a lot of them. Yes, there's a lot of conflict. <laughs> Hi, Melinda and Rachel. I'm such a big fan of the OC and of both of yours. My question is, what was it like in the beginning stages of filming the show, getting to know each other, and especially the relationship between both of y'all during the show? Well, thank you. Well, I think Rachel and I, we felt similar because we were both guest stars. And I, like I, I've said this before in the podcast when they were doing that photo shoot that they would, you know, they kind of like, well, let's get the main cast and well, let's get those other two, those right. other two girls in here. And we definitely, you, you tend to feel a little bit different mm-hmm. than the main cast in the beginning. Yeah. We were like on the same trajectory basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were all friends and that first year, especially we all got really close and hung out a lot outside of work and created a family. And that's why oh. when we see each other now, you know, like last week with Peter or anytime you, yeah. any of us get together, it's nothing but love. So that yeah. feels good. Yeah. We would do certain things together. Like we'd ride together to events and things yeah. like that from time yeah, to time. For yeah. sure. But I was a mom, so I couldn't hang out with the youngins all the time. She wasn't clubbing in the club. <laughs> oh, every once in a while I'd go out to a she club would. with you guys. Marissa, uh, Marissa. Mindy was always a good time. <laughs> Kind of like Marissa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey, ladies. My name is Gabe. Big fan of the show and big fan of the podcast. I was just wondering if you could see a spinoff series following any one character from the OC or a group of characters, what would you like to see? I personally would love to see a spinoff of just the Noopsies doing what they do in Orange County. Thank <laughs> you so like much housewives. and have a good day. Yeah. Thank well, you, you, Gabe. You, it's called The Housewives. Yeah, that's it's Noopsies. already been done. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I would just, I'd like to follow Che. <laughs> Chris Pratt's character in season four. Yeah. That'd be a fun spinoff. Yeah. That'd be a funny spinoff. That would be funny. Actually, I want to know what Luke's up to. Oh, yeah, Luke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should catch up with Luke. <laughs> No, but Julie would obviously be the most entertaining. <laughs> Probably. For sure. <laughs> there we go. Thank there you go. for your voicemails, guys. Thank you so much. Thank everyone for listening. Follow, <laughs> rate, and review. Welcome to the OC Bitches, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like to watch us, check it out on YouTube or on HBO Max. And we'll leave you with the song Julie from their play, Oscar at the Crown. How did you know, Julie? How did you know? How did you know? How did you know? <laughs> Bye, bitches.
What Shopify says you can sell anywhere? Oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash podcast 22. Shopify.com slash podcast 22. Hi, everyone. It's Rabia Chaudhry. And I'm Ellen Marsh. And we have a new podcast called Rabia and Ellen Solve, Solve the, case. the Case. As you know, I am a very smart lawyer. You are. You're so well-respected in the entire world. You know everything. Thank you so much. And as you know, I'm a famous Broadway star. Gorgeous. I sing like a nightingale. Well, yes. at least that's what your mom says. <laughs> Just kidding. This is Ellen Marsh. And, and I'm Rabia. Rabia but we are teaming up to bring you a show like you have never heard before. True crime meets talk show. Nobody's done it. We're going to do it. We're going to do the impossible. And it's the two things that I love. Ellen, I think you'll like it too. What? True crime and talking? Yeah. I'm there. Every other week, we will have a guest talking about whatever true crime case they are obsessed with. We have a list, everything from the Lacey Peterson murder. Yeah, some of the most famous cases you've ever heard of, obviously, like John JonBenet Ramsey, the West Memphis Three. Chris Watts, Khalif Browder. Elisa Lamb, Madeline McCain. Sandra Bland, the Springfield Three. The list goes on and on. But they are all cases that you know, and we are going to dive in deep with someone else and just talk about them. No, we're going to solve the case, Ellen. That's right. We're going to solve the case. So subscribe to Rabia and Ellen Solve the Case wherever you get your podcasts.